Chelsea fans, welcome back to another edition of The Lad from Matthew Harden Podcast. My name is Shane Holcomb. I'm alongside today one of my favorite Chelsea content creators, that is Nini FC from Blue Lions TV over on the great platform that is YouTube, and that is the Chelsea faithful community that puts all their great work over there on the YouTube platform. We're here today to have kind of an instant reaction to Chelsea's 2021-2022 Premier League schedule that was announced this morning. And we don't have a lot of time to think about this, Nini, but before you know it, we're going to be here in August. The year has, of course, just started, but time goes fast, as we know. Summer will go fast. Transfer window will go by very fast. And we'll be playing Crystal Palace at Stamford Bridge for our opening game on Saturday, the 14th of August. But before we get into that, Nini, say a couple words about yourself, your channel, and um, happy to have you on today, man. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Of course, it's been a long time. Uh, we've been working up towards this. And yeah, I've been really looking forward to coming on. Of course, mm. uh, you guys, you know me, uh, Blue Lines TV, catch me on Twitter, at Nini FC. Um, you know, I like to, uh, you know, I love the club, of course. I like to uh, give my thoughts and opinions behind news stories, reviews, analysis, tactics, discussions, all that type of good stuff. And um, yeah, I feel like I try to provide some context and some measured thought behind football discussion. I know that it's quite easy to, um, you know, react at the moment and get quite reactionary. Of course, it's fun, but I feel like, you know, I'm just that little dose of something different if, if that's something people like. Mm. Yeah, once again, Nii, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I think for your channel, why everyone loves it is somewhat off what you mentioned previously and how you think so. Uh, particularly see about it and how you think it out really and you prepare for your episodes before you start to record but I think also your graphic design and also your just your thumbnails are brilliant and I think that even during the videos you do a really cool job of capturing the moment with putting players in jerseys like transfers and swapping player jerseys and stuff like that but also taking a lot of time to put stuff into the graphic design which I think is so important for a platform like YouTube and I think that's why a lot of your listeners are attracted to your channel but also because of your great insights yeah once again Needy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today so I was talking to you a little bit earlier before we started to record about how we would kind of split this up because we're not going to really have time to talk about all 38 games today, but we're going to split this podcast up kind of into three chunks. So we're going to talk about the first six fixtures of the season for Chelsea and then probably the most important time frame of the Premier League season, which is always the holiday period and the period that always seems to have Chelsea fans going absolutely haywire about the results. And then we're going to talk about the running, of course, at the end of the season, so it's kind of going to be talk about 18 games extensively, but we're going to hit every single sort of big six game as well. But I think it, it's going to be nice to kind of split up the podcast into three sections so we can do some really awesome analytical thinking, but also not have the podcast drag out for so long. And I think those three parts of the season are probably the most important parts, especially for a team like Chelsea who want to win the Premier League title next season. So Nini, let's start off with, I think, a pretty generous fixture that, that was given to Chelsea the first day of the season against Crystal Palace at home. It's going to be at Stamford Bridge. Hopefully there'll be 42,000 fans there at the West London phenomenon. Thomas Tuchel will be managing in his first full campaign for Chelsea Football Club, and he gets Crystal Palace as his first fixture. What are your thoughts on the Eagles coming to Stamford Bridge, a London rivalry to start the season for Chelsea in 2021? I think it's uh, a pretty nice way to kick start, uh, kick start a new season. Of course, 
we can't forget under Thomas Tuchel, we beat them quite convincingly. One of our most convincing wins under Tuchel against our bottom half teams was against Crystal Palace. Kai Havertz putting in an unbelievable performance. So, you know, I definitely feel like it's that perfect challenge where you have to respect them because they can also get a result from you. They can also uh, cause an upset. But at the same time, they kind of, you know, motivate you to, uh, you know, make sure you're concentrating, performing to your best levels and going for that win. And yeah, we've got some very interesting games coming up after that. So I definitely feel like we have to kickstart the new season with three points. You talked about that motivation factor and watching the European Championship game that was in Hungary yesterday with the full 60,000 stadium. I think that's going to be so awesome for the players to walk into the bridge, hopefully with 40,000 fans. So, I mean, you put that next to the first game of the season after a Champions League final win, the atmosphere inside the bridge is going to be really spectacular to see, especially when the teams walk out of that tunnel. And I think that this gives the team a little bit of a margin for error in that first game, but also I think they're going to just have so much energy from the fans, but also since it's their first game since the Champions League final, and because they want to go out and try to win the Premier League this season. I think Crystal Palace gives a nice little balance, especially because where Hutchins going to be leaving, it's going to be a new manager coming in, dare I say Frank Lampard, coming to Stamford Bridge for the first match day. What a storyline that yeah. would be for the fans and also for the neutrals. I think to end out this Crystal Palace point, though, it gives us some nice balance. It gives us a little bit of relaxation. There's margin for error, but at the same time, you're motivated from the fans but you're also motivated because you need to get those three points and how crucial it is to get those three points to start off a title winning campaign. But let's move on now to the second fixture because this one we've struggled with. There's been some up and down moments against this side, against our North London rival. That is Arsenal. We traveled to the Emirates in the second match day of the season. We, of course, won there in December of 2019 after being down 1-0 with scorers Jorginho and Tim Abraham. But it's safe to say that last season, this was probably the most gut-wrenching performance of the entire season, losing 3-1 to to the Gunners when they were at their lowest points. Probably ever as a club i mean they were sitting at recollection 16th 17th place they haven't won in over a month before we came i don't even want to revisit that game because it was just so ugly but it's a second match day of the season nini traveling to the emirates thomas Tuchel, of course we lost to them one now in that bizarre match in stanford bridge only a few weeks back but there's revenge on the line for chelsea it's funny to say that because we have been the superior club over the past decade and a half but we just haven't been able to get three points against Arsenal over these past two matches. They did the double over us, which is crazy to think this past campaign. But the boys will, of course, want to have that revenge going into the packed crowd that will be the Emirates on the second match of the season. So what are your thoughts going up against Arsenal? It's going to be a different look Chelsea. It'll probably be a little bit of a different look Arsenal. But at the same time, Thomas Tuchel against Mikel Arteta, that should be a three points in the bag if Chelsea want to win this Premier League title. Yeah, I think, you know, you set up the uh, the conversation really well. I, I definitely think that, you know, we need to have revenge in our minds, to be honest, man. I mm. do think that, you know, the way we lost to Arsenal last season, I, I still don't feel like we necessarily got outplayed for them. But, mm. you know, of course, they got the win. They got the three points. That's the most important thing. So, yeah, I'm sure the players, you know, they want to really solidify, you know, what colour London is. And I think getting an early win against Arsenal, I think it's always great to get the Arsenal fans uh, <laughs> worried at the start of any season, to be honest. And uh, I hope that we continue 
to uh, you know impress next season. And yeah, I think Palace, Arsenal, like you're steadily like progressing to harder and harder games. So I, I definitely think that is a nice start to next season. It's pretty ideal for us because we'll have all the momentum. I think that Arsenal probably will be absolutely crapping themselves to play us, even though it is at the Emirates. And I think that this is a great time to play the Gunners instead of later on in the season where I think there's probably more on the line. But for Chelsea, the pride factor, but also just the dominance factor because we know just how much of a better squad that we have over them. And it's just a certain that dominance. I think the second match day of the season would be a really great time to do that. But let's transition now into our third match of the season, Nini, which is Liverpool away at Anfield. We haven't had the greatest history there, but guess what? History is meant to be broken. That's exactly what we did last March when Mason Mount scored the winner. Absolutely beautiful goal. Probably one of my favorite goals of the season. Just going past Trent Alexander-Arnold and putting it into the far right corner at the cop end at Anfield. So we have a one-match winning streak against Liverpool and against Jurgen Klopp, but that man, Virgil van Dijk, will be back. They'll be more healthy. Their center backs will probably be advanced. If I'm not mistaken, they signed a center back from Leipzig. Canate. Canate. They're going to have a more solid defense next season. They're going to try not come out for revenge because they did have a poor campaign, but it's Liverpool away. It's always a tough fixture. We have an up and down history there, but guess what? We wrote our shores and we put our stamp down last season when Mason Mount scored that winner. We know how solid our defense is, Nini, and going to the next season, it's going to be a really hard test in yeah. match week three. What are your thoughts on Jurgen Klopp and, and Thomas Drucco meeting again so early on in the season? Well, I remember. I think it was a few seasons back when we had signed, was it Diego Costa? Did we play against Liverpool quite early on during the start of the season? Because I think in that game, I remember the battle being between Costa versus Van Dijk. So hopefully we're going to see a a Holland versus Van Dijk battle during the start of the season. I think that'd be quite exciting and a great way to, uh, you know, get get everyone on board with uh, with the new direction the club's going towards now. Um, You know, Liverpool, last season, I really predicted that they would suffer a lot I felt like um I don't know I think in football there's always this rule where systems can't last forever I think you have to adapt them and I think one of the you know the greatest managers who, who fully understood that was Alex Ferguson that's one of the main reasons behind his longevity over like 20 years like every three four seasons he was um you know altering the tactics tweaking things changing things making big decisions like uh you know getting rid of your Van Nistelrooy's Roy Keynes etc etc so um yeah, I definitely think that we can, um, you know, look towards something like that when we're playing against a Liverpool team who, you know, even though they have their their strengths at the end of the season quite strong, I do feel like we have that intensity advantage against them. I do feel like we knew how to limit their attack. And I think that with the addition of some, you know, exciting uh, talent signs this window, I think, yeah, we're going to have... Um, a really good opportunity against Liverpool to get the three points. So I don't know, to be honest, I am feeling quite optimistic because last season I, f- I felt a lot more optimistic against the bigger teams compared to the smaller ones. I think with the bigger teams, we have more space to play in. And I think a lot of our players do better in the transition on the counter-attack. So yeah, I think, um, yeah, on paper, it looks quite difficult, but tactically, I think we could find some advantages against some of these teams. Mm. And let's not forget just how... 
tactically outmatched Jurgen Klopp was to Thomas Tuchel last March. I mean, it was one of Chelsea's most brilliant performances. Their defense was so solid. That was the game where Kovacic just absolutely shithoused Mane yeah. and, and kicked the ball into his face. That was one of the moments <laughs> of the season. But I think also the away fans will be there, will be riled up. And I think Chelsea yeah. will definitely be looking to get at least a point in that fixture. But the next game, the next two games, Aston Villa in between Liverpool and Tottenham Hotspur and then City after that game. The Aston Villa game is what I'm really concerned about, especially if they keep the likes of Jack Grealish. They just signed an absolutely brilliant player in Emilia Buendia from Norwich City. This game is what we like to call a trap game in the United States, where it's right before a really huge game, but it's coming off of a really emotional game that will be against Liverpool. And so there's some risk, I think, for a little bit of a letdown here. The one thing I will say is that it is at home at Stamford Bridge, so the fans will be bringing it. But this could be an opportunity for for Aston Villa to nick a point or even three points in in San Jose Chelsea fans isn't the best in. But, I mean, this is an opportunity for Aston Villa to come to Stamford Bridge and, and get at least a point because I think it will be really emotionally exhausted from that Liverpool game, but also kind of looking forward to, to that Tottenham away day that ensues in the next match day. So I think Aston Villa, maybe a spot for a letdown for Chelsea. What are your thoughts on that coming, coming in between two really big games? Um, yeah, you know, Villa, I feel like they've been quite interesting. I mean, today the reports mm-hmm. were suggesting that they they had a 25 million bid turned down for Emil Smith-Rowe from, from Arsenal. So is that implying that Jack Grealish might not be there and they're looking at alternatives? I mean, they signed Brendia, who's another great player too. And, you know, they've got Mings and England international centre-back, Konza, who some feel was better than Mings and was surprised that he wasn't included as part of the national team. You know, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely a club that's on the rise and growing again. So I think they definitely demand a lot of respect and, and attention. I, I do think with Villa though that you can find opportunities to play through them and, and, and create chances, but they they carry that attacking threat of their own. So yeah, I I I I really think that I'd expect us to win, to be honest. But you know, with Aston Villa with Grealish, I'll be, I mean without Grealish, I mean it's a completely different team. Um, you know, that the new signings were they able to quickly just um you know take on that responsibility left by Grealish instantly. Normally, they need some time to acclimatise and get used to things. So, yeah, you know, I, I really think Villa's chances depend on whether Grealish is playing or not. Obviously, last season, second half, when he was injured, you could see Villa's form dip a bit as bowls. So, uh, yeah, I think Grealish's future plays a massive, massive part in, 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 in this, you know, our result in that game. Mm. I think the nice thing for us is, too, that it will be at Stamford Bridge, right? And even though there might be a lot of lost energy from that Liverpool game. The fans will rile the players up. And I think the atmosphere will be really good before yeah. that Tottenham away fixture, which we're going to talk about next. It's already our third, quote-unquote, big six game in the first five fixtures. I mean, for Chelsea, it's pretty fascinating what our schedule's looking like in that first month from August to the middle of September. Tottenham Hotspur away. We've had a lot of success in this fixture. We've won 
over the past two seasons. Pretty sure we actually lost against Tottenham in November of 2018 when, when it was sorry season. But we've won there the past two years. Great performances against them in 2019, the Christmas period when Frank Lampard absolutely outclassed his mentor and, and Jose Mourinho. Willian scored two absolutely banners in that game. I think actually he had a penalty and then he scored a really nice goal in the first half. And then we won 1-0 in a really defensively solid performance, a common theme in Thomas Tuchel's reign. Jorginho scoring the penalty that I believe Werner won. We have a lot of success in this fixture. There's going to be a lot of Chelsea fans at this game, even though it is at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And we're just a better team. I mean, we should not be dropping any points against Tottenham. We have the way better manager, way better squad, way better personnel. I think the fans are going to also bring on that day. So what are your thoughts on facing Tottenham Hotspur again, especially the uncertainty of the manager coming in? I'm pretty sure they've named their manager already, but at the same time, that's going to be his first season. There's going to be some clicks in the system and there's going to be some holes tactically wise in their team. They're not going to really have their identity figured out by the end of September. So what are your thoughts on, on Chelsea potentially taking advantage of Tottenham Hotspur's dire situation now, especially because one Harry Kane might be out of the club yeah, I think Tottenham are Tottenham. Uh, <laughs> we've had a great history over them over the years when it comes to getting results there. Uh, I, I've always felt like they lack the ambition to really, you know, heavily invest to take them to the directions they hope to, to one day be in, to be honest. Um, with Tottenham, that performance when we played, you know, Hudson, Adoy, Reese, James and Mount linking up beautifully down that right hand side. You know, we were constantly able to play between their lines and like keep their fullbacks back as well and, you know, control the game in their half at times. I think Francesca is completely different to Mourinho. He likes to seem to play out from the back and, you know, uh, keep possession with the ball. So, and, you know, they've got some interesting players that could really help them do that. So, I don't know. I, I feel like with certain teams like Spurs, I'd have to see what Francesca brings uh, to the club first, to be honest, before I can really, really understand what's going to come but again as you're saying man if Harry Kane is not part of, of the squad to the team I mean that's a massive massive loss I mean Kane is like the main fulcrum in their attack I mean last season getting double digits for assists and for goals as well you know he plays such a key part in linking up your sons and your bells and your 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 in your inside forwards down the flanks too and with him gone are Spurs going to be able to find a player on the market that can bring something similar to that? Or are they going to have to adapt how they play? And then, you know, if they're adapting, they might need some time to really acclimatize Francesca's way of playing. So it'd be very hard for me to give a concrete answer. Um, but I'd, I'd like to feel optimistic based on the fact that, okay, the end of the season, you know, quite strong. I think the Champions League win, of course, really boosted up. It was looking quite snubby right at the end, you know, losing final day and then uh, losing the FA Cup final too. But yeah, I think it re I have to really see what Spurs do first. But yeah, let's, I, I like to think that we just progress though and, and continue the good work left from last season. Remembering too from that game, for sure it's the end of February that we won one nil. Jorginho and Kovacic had so much space in the midfield. There was no pressing really from Hoiber or Sissoko. I mean, they had all day to pass yeah. over the top, which eventually led to the Werner penalty shout, which Jorginho scored. So, I mean, maybe the new manager enforces pressing a little bit more than Mourinho did, especially because they were so open in the midfield and their defense was really shaky last season. So maybe that's his first 
job, of course, is, is coming and trying to shore that that defense up. But this end of the day, like you mentioned, I mean, it's Tottenham. And if they lose their one yeah. character who really has passion, I mean, I wouldn't say he's the only character who has passion, but the only character who's really a proven winner on the international stage is Harry Kane. If they lose that man, their talisman, I mean, you of course have a great and talented player in Hunman Son, but he has no one to build off of. And when you saw those fixtures last campaign that Harry Kane and Hunman Son were both injured, especially in the 2019-2020 campaign as well. I mean, Tottenham were just rattled. They had no point of attack, even when one of them was injured. So if you take Harry Kane that system completely, Hunman Son has no one to build off of. He has nowhere to attack especially because he won't have much yeah. help unless they bring in someone. But I don't think they're going to invest in someone, which is the problem with Tottenham right now because they don't invest in, in really top, top players. I mean, they brought in Bergwin in January of 2020, but at the same time, he's not a world-class player, which is what I think Tottenham are lacking right now. Gareth Bill gave them a little bit of an attack and prowess, especially at the end of the season, which eventually helped us get over the line, funnily enough, to the top four. But I mean, will he be at Spurs next season? His future is kind of uncertain as well. I just think there's just so many moving pieces at that club and, and infrastructure right now just isn't really balanced. And I think the start of the season could be a little bit shaky for them. But I think once the new manager kind of establishes his beliefs, they might get a lot better towards as the season goes on. So I think that should be a pretty sound yeah. three points. But let's move on to, of course, the game that everyone will have circles on their calendar. Any Premier League team fan will be watching this game. And it is Manchester City, but it also is at Stamford Bridge, which is really awesome, I think, for us in the early parts of the season. Pep versus Tuchel. God knows who City are going to buy versus God knows who Chelsea are going to buy. It's the oil clubs, as people love to say. But it's also the Champions League final rematch. And we get City at home, which I think is really beneficial to have instead of later on in the season. So it's Pep versus Tuchel once again. Tuchel has been undefeated versus Pep so far this time versus Chelsea. And I think we're going to win again, honestly. I mean, I think we're going to go out and spend more money on more quality of players in City well this summer. I know City have a lot of good history and kind of getting discounts on pretty good players and velvet them into world-class players. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that Chelsea are going to be a lot more invested in bringing in top, top world-class players this summer. I don't think City can do it. I think their windows already passed and the likes of Lean on Messi among others. So I think that Chelsea are going to be the ones who are spending more cash this summer. We beat them in the Champions League final. We beat them in the FA Cup final. We beat them in the Premier League last season. And I think it's going to be another fascinating tactical matchup between Tuchel and Pep Guardiola. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I'm very excited for that game. Uh, yeah, I really feel like Tuchel has found a way to exploit City. And I was mentioning this before our Champions League final, you know, with Man City in their high line, mm -hmm. there's going to be lots of opportunities to, you know, running behind and stretching. And with someone like Timo Werner, yeah, he's had his difficulties. Mm -hmm. But one thing that he doesn't mess up is the timing of his runs and, and stretching opponents. And, you know, with Pep, I, I respect how City played. I know some people would be like in the final, they maybe uh, use the wrong tactics. I didn't necessarily agree. I just felt like Tuchel, I mean, I mean Pep understood and realised that, okay, I'm up against uh, a manager who's probably, you know, close to my level. He's got an incredibly well-designed, well-structured team. I need to find a way to get past this team. You know, the, the, 
way we, we stop them playing between the lines, the way that we are so compact as well with our shape and, you know, that aggressiveness in which our, our defenders and players will, uh, will will press and close down, defend 1v1. It really is, um, you know, it makes for a very formidable opponent to play against. So I, I, I for me, it was a big sign of respect that Pep thought, you know what, there's no point me using a DM because, you know, Rodri and Fernandinho, they won't be, uh, you know, catching up with Werner out wide. That's not going to do anything. We have to try and find a way to play through that. They weren't able to do that. And I think next season, if we're potentially adding even more quality, you know, two, three players that Tuchel wants to the team, you know, it's going to make for a very fascinating game. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I, I think I always feel confident against Man City. I'm not going to sound very uh, gassed right now because, you know, we've beaten them three times. But it's a man of the wins, though, you know, like mm. the first one, we stopped them winning the quadruple. So they were out of the FA Cup. Mm. Second time, we stopped them winning the Premier League in their home you know, on the day at home. And of course, Champions League finals, same thing. And in all those performances, City didn't create tons and tons of opportunities. Um, so yeah, I, 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 of course, I feel confident. And I think the main reason behind why we are able to have this advantage over City right now is that I feel we have more intensity in the team. You know, we've got maybe younger players, but you've got Kante and Mount in your midfield. And, you know, the way that Kai's come to the team are really bought into, you need to work hard and fight for the team and press. And, you know, on top of that, our defenders are excellent playing in their role. Uh, very incredible, like reading in the game, positional sense as well, and, and knowing what to do at the right times. Plus with a goalkeeper at the back who, you know, is very difficult to score past. I think that... Uh, Caught, I, I, I'd be lying if I said I don't feel confident, man. I, I'd be lying if I don't say I feel confident. <laughs> mm. I think Tuchel's just in Pep's head right now. I mean, like, that video yeah. that went viral on Twitter over these past two weeks with, with Pep Guardiola before the game <laughs> talking about how Chelsea plays so good yeah. with the two holding midfielders in the five at the back. <laughs> I mean, I'll have to insert the clip right now because it's just, it's been the most funny thing over the past couple of weeks. Why Chelsea plays so good? Because they have three central defender closers, the two holding midfielders, relating move closers, the pockets closer. They have a structure of five and two players so, so close. And the distances are so close and at the same time they are so wide with the wingbacks they are so dead with the Bernard Mookas in behind. Oh, I, mean, I love that clip. Like what a clip yeah. before the match and then I think I even saw someone put the voiceover of the Havert school and how Werner just kind of ran in behind and it was Pep voicing over how Werner kind of runs those runs in behind. I mean it's just it, that video is just absolutely gold. I mean, that's going to be a, a, a video and a meme for Chelsea Twitter for, I mean, ages now because, I mean, it's just gold. But like I mentioned, I think, I think Tuchel is just in his head. I think he's just in his head. And I think that he's also thinking one step behind. And I think we got, we got Pep's number right now. And until they beat us, I'm not going to be not confident for this game because I think we, we've got Pep's number.